things are going well. Today, I want to talk, imagine if we talk about fathers, I don't like the culture and the political correctness that is diminishing masculinity and diminishing fatherhood and diminishing men. Once in a while, a woman will come and say to me, I don't know, my husband, he does. And I say, well, thank God you married a man. Yes, I know he forgets things once in a while. Um, but he's got a big job. And thank God that uh, he doesn't have all the feminine characteristics of caring. I got married for the details. My wife remembers the exact day of each birthday and all that. I just know it's somewhere in the fall. <laughs> I forget our anniversary, but I never forget I'm married. You know what I mean? And, and what's the old saying? When a husband says he'll do something... You don't have to remind him every six months. That's what that round two it is for. <laughs> but I love men. I love being with men, and I'm so glad that uh, for you dads and you're leading. But today's message has kind of a threefold application. It's a leadership thing. It's for the pastor. It's for the church, and it's for the fathers. Now, hear me carefully. We can all benefit from it, whether you're a woman or a daughter or something, but I want to challenge the men to be the kind of leaders that the Bible sets forth here. You'll know when we look at our text, 1 Thessalonians, what happens? Paul gets saved. He's sent out of the church at Antioch. He goes around and up into Asia Minor and starts churches. Then he comes back and reports to the church, and while he's on his second missionary journey, confirming the churches, going back and touching base, he hears the Macedonian call, come over into Macedonia and help us. And then the gospel goes over into Europe. That's where Greece, the major city is Philippi, Paul preaches there, and Lydia and the Philippian jailer and all of that stuff. And then he leaves and goes down to Berea and Thessalonica. Now this is a city in northern Greece. And there are some people who got saved and some people who got mad. They say, if you're going to be a preacher of the gospel, you better be ready to pucker or duck. Some are going to love you and some are going to get mad. And that's just a part, of, part of the ministry, isn't it? But if you tell the truth, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's all that enthused about it. And it's hard to say to someone, your religion won't get you to heaven. It's hard to say, your mother could have been the most devout Roman Catholic, but if she was trusting the sacraments or confession or the mass to get her to heaven... That would never do. It's tough to say the hard things to people that your good works and your religion, your church, your communion, your baptism will never get you to heaven. If it would, Christ wouldn't have had to die. He died on the cross and shed his blood and offered forgiveness for all who come to him in simple faith. And wow, how wonderful to know that we can be saved. But 
Once a person's a Christian, now we start learning the Bible and how can we please God? How can we follow God? How can we be? And part of that is being a father, being a leader, standing for truth while somebody's got to stand up on their hind legs and preach the truth. And that's what I'm challenging. We live in a very squishy day where this culture doesn't like moral absolutes. Who are you to tell me? Who are you to say, hey, listen, it's not that I'm right, it's that the Bible's right. God's right. The truth is the truth. If the cat doesn't like the way it's being pet, let the cat turn around. Eventually, you've got to just say, this, thus saith the Lord. Well, Paul uh, starts the church in Thessalonica, and while he preaches, and then later he goes on and goes to southern Greece and back and Europe, and now he's writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And he loves them, and he's concerned. You can imagine if you go someplace and you win people to Christ and you disciple them and you love them and you teach them the things of God and you're gone for a while and you hear there's some false teachers crept in there. Or, hey, there's people that are teaching wrong doctrine there. And these are people you know and love and you invested yourself in and you get pretty uh, possessive and pretty concerned. Paul said in the Corinthians, he says, I've espoused you as a chaste virgin under Christ. Hey, you're God's kids. You belong to the Lord Jesus. Follow him and serve him. And don't let anybody get you off track. So here he's writing to the Thessalonians. And he makes mention, and I want to just early in the chapter here, Character and motive. Character and motive. Look what he says in chapter 1. He says uh, in verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And now watch. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. He says, look, character, you know us. You watched us, you met us, you heard us, you know what we were like. And then notice in, down in verse uh, 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. He says, hey, you know when we came what manner of entering we had in unto you. So, Stand with me real quietly, please, and we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll do uh, the first uh, 11, 12 verses, but we're going to beat the Methodist to the restaurant, so this, okay, no, we're going to eat here, so, but I promise if you'll listen fast, there's just two points in a poem, and I left the poem home. So watch carefully. We'll read and then uh, look at this. Thank you for uh, having your Bibles open. 1 Thessalonians 2. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, 
But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we're gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God, ye are witnesses. And God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And now together out loud, verses 11 and 12. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time in the Bible. Lord, may we sit, as it were, at Jesus' feet and learn of thee. Thank you for preserving the scriptures for us to learn and be helped and challenged by. Use us today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Two points. Two points. The first one is bold. I mentioned at the outset that character and motive matter. When it comes to being a pastor, when it comes to a church, and when it comes to being a father, anyone in leadership, character matters. He says, he makes reference in chapter 1 and again in chapter 2, hey, you know, you know what we were like when we were there. You got to see us. You got to hear us. You know what we were like. We were bold. We didn't compromise. We didn't trim the message. Today is a great day of huge compromise in the church. Almost always the first thing that goes is any preaching on holiness and personal separation and godliness. It's not that they say outright, oh, go ahead and sin. They just quit preaching against sin. I wouldn't give you a dime for a pastor that ignores the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. Somebody has to stand up on their hind legs and be bold and say, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That's what it says. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you child of the devil. You do the works of your father. And somebody's got to stand up and say it. It's hard to battle at the battlefront. I don't mean to be unkind, but wow, 
when, when a doctor diagnoses someone with cancer, do you want him to beat around the bush or do you want him to tell you the truth of what you're really dealing with? It's the same with sin. Hey, sin will kill you. Hey, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for that. Don't allow that to be part of you. It says we were bold in our gospel. Hey, it's very popular today. I call these churches make warm noises churches. They stand for nothing. It's good God, good devil, I'm okay, you're okay. I won't tell you you're bad, you don't tell me I'm bad. As long as the paychecks keep coming, we're just in this covenant of unholy silence and we'll get along. Hey, hey, hey. A real man of God says, look, you know when we came we were bold. You know we said it. Because it needed saying, the truth is the truth is the truth. And notice how he says, you know, our entrance in unto you, it was not in vain. Even after we had suffered and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, when they went up north, right, they got chased out of town and Paul's let out of the, you know, in a basket down over a wall and escaped out and all that. He says, when we came to you, it's easy if you face opposition, if you face contradiction, if you have somebody that doesn't like the message, it's easy to just kind of, well, okay, then I'll, I'll be mousy and I won't say anything and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and I like being popular. and Right? I'm saying the natural human tendency. And Paul says, look, face in the wind. Courage to, to last for a lifetime. He says, you know, even after we were shamefully entreated, we were bold, bold, bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God and with much contention. In other words, hey, even though there was opposition, even though there were critics, even though there were people in the audience catcalling, even though there were those who rejected and criticized, we were bold. Now there's something about leadership that says right is right even if nobody's doing it and wrong is wrong even if everybody's doing it. You've got to as a pastor, as a church and as a father, hey, there's a premium on the truth. And whether I measure up to the standard or not, the truth is still the truth. Notice, he says, Verse 3 and verse 5 particularly, but then it's character, but it's also motive. Listen to me, listen to me. A person can tell you the truth, but if they're arrogant, if they're proud, if they're just getting it off their chest, if they're just doing it to be condescending and demeaning, if they're just... I'm smart, you're dumb, I'm strong, you're weak, I'm right, you're wrong. Nobody, nobody likes a know-it-all. Does it matter what the speaker's motives are? Right? And so Paul makes reference repeatedly, hey, we were bold, we were bold, we were bold, but what we want you to know for sure is we had a pure heart. A pastor, a father, a leader, a church, anybody in leadership has to know, hey, 
My job is to represent God accurately. And so, hey, he says, for our exhortation, verse 3, was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. What is guile? When you have kind of an ulterior motive. Right? Ah, hey, I'll tell you what. If you give me a raise, I won't preach against your sin. They wouldn't say it that loud, but that's the truth of what happens. That's the truth of what goes on. And Paul says, hey, I, look, you know our exhortation wasn't of uncleanness nor in guile. You know we had a pure heart. I have to put my head on a pillow at night and look at God Almighty someday face to face. He knows not only what I do, but why I did it. And so Paul makes reference. He says, look, you know our entrance in unto you, that we were bold in why we did it. Character and motive. Watch in verse 4. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. That's the secret. It's not my message. It's his message. It's not my life. It's his life. It's not my commands. It's his command. We were put in trust with a message. We were commissioned. A lot of times today in this culture, men are being beaten down, beaten. Oh, don't say that. Oh, don't. No, don't be like that. Oh, don't. Hey, listen, just be a accommodation leads to accommodation that leads to accommodation. And there's a natural tendency to just let things disintegrate around you. And so notice here it says, as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. I mean, there's something about having a pure heart and God knowing the truth about it. Hey, I was doing my best to help those people. I was doing my best to lead that family. I was doing my best to guide our decisions in the home. I want to just say hooray for you men who have a premium on the truth and are trying to do right before God Almighty. It's nice to say whether they all understand or appreciate or respect or follow that with a pure heart you were doing your very best to help that home and that family, your children, and notice here what it says, verse 5, neither for neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. Hey, hey, there's something about a church, a pastor, a leader, a man saying, hey, I do what I can before God. I can do nothing else. If I get criticized, it isn't going to be for lack of wanting, for lack of trying. For I'm bold. I'm bold. You know our entrance in unto you. We're bold. And you know, and notice he makes reference both here and a little later. Verse number six, we might have been burdensome. In verse number 9, because we would not be chargeable into any of you. Imagine the climate. 
Paul's there in Greece, and there's a lot of intercourse. Uh, it's a, a very, very um, international area. People are coming from the east and from the west. There's port cities on both sides. There's all the different cultures. There are all the different isms. Every imaginable religion. And so everybody's coming and they all have a voice. They all have a song. They all have a message. They all claim to have the truth. Well, in a multicultural area, in a multi-religion a hodgepodge of mishmash and all kinds of things. How do the people know what to believe? So here comes the Apostle Paul, and he preaches his message, and he's, look, I'm, I'm the one that preached the truth to you. And then I said character and motive. All of these other people are trying to take advantage of the people and get money away from them. And Paul says, hey, I don't want to be chargeable to you. I don't want to be burdensome to you. Here and in Corinth are the two places where he made tents. Now other places, Philippi and others, he took offerings from them. But in a place where they were being taken advantage of, where there was all kinds of false teachers, where there are those who were just, oh, this guy is some kind of golden-throated orator. This guy is some kind of silver-tongued speaker. This guy's got the message. Maybe we'll give him money. Paul says, my message was not in guile. I didn't have an ulterior motive. I wasn't trying to take advantage of you. I'm not trying to get something out of you. I'm here trying to help you. There's something about unselfishness. There's something about having a pure heart. There's something about ministering with their best interests at heart. And so Paul, and I'm, I'm going to say this, he's writing this years after he had been at Thessalonica. And look what he recalls to them. Hey, we, didn't, we, we paid our own way. We didn't take your money. Hey, we weren't trying to please you. We were trying to please God. Hey, we didn't trim the message in any way. We told you the truth. Hey, we have the purest of hearts. And, and hear me. Boldness is one thing. Boldness with a pure motive is really worth its weight in gold. And I'm just challenging you, hey, this is becoming in a pastor. This is the Apostle Paul making mention of how him and the troop that traveled through there how they behave themselves at Thessalonica. And he's able to years later say, look, you guys, if you wonder who you should follow, if you wonder who's telling the truth, if you wonder who had the message that was really from God, if you wonder what voice to listen to, who was it that told you the truth with the purest of hearts? It's nice to be able to look back at that. A pastor says, keep yourselves pure. The body's not for fornication, but for the Lord. The pastor says, thou shalt not steal. The pastor says, those that steal are an abomination to God. The pastor stands for truth, preaches the truth, 
that's the first side of the coin. That's the head side of the coin. But every coin has a tail side. There's another side. There's a lot more to being a pastor. There's a lot more to being a church. And there's a lot more to being a father than just standing unapologetically for truth. In the second half of the passage, look with me. Verse number 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. Down in verse number 11, you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Now hear me carefully. Boldness is one thing. Gentleness, gentleness is the complement to this. You say, oh, is this the Apostle Paul compromising? Is this him trimming the message? No, no. What he says, he expresses how much he loves him. Watch again, verse number 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you. Here's how much he loves him. We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Why? Because ye were dear unto us. The old saying is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When you love people, you can say hard things to them, and they know you're trying to help them, not hurt them. And Paul says, look, you know we, you were dear to us. Verse 9, laboring night, uh, labor and travail, Laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable in view. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Watch verse 10. Ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves. And here's that phrase again. Notice verse 7. Actually just slip back. We started in verse uh, 5 of chapter 1. Look at that word. You know what manner of men we were among you. Verse number 7. We were gentle among you. Verse number 10, among you. The same pastor who stands up and says, thou shalt not commit adultery. The body's not for fornication, but for the Lord. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. That same pastor on Thursday night leaves the pulpit, leaves the church, and goes to the home of a family with a 14-year-old girl who's pregnant out of wedlock with slit wrists and blood dripping down. She tried to commit suicide with a mom who's weeping and frantic and suggesting abortion with a dad who's angry and frustrated and now what now what should the pastor come and corner the girl on the couch and say you little slut you whore you you just brought the damnation of god on your family what kind of thing were you doing you shouldn't be committing fornication that's sin don't you get it hear me hear me do you think that's going to help Right? The same guy who said, my entrance in unto you was bold. And we 
preach the gospel without fear or favor of man. We're not trying to please people. But we're here now. We're here now. And somebody's got to be the voice of reason. Somebody's got to know how to comfort. Somebody's got to know how to exhort. Somebody's got to know how to lift up. Somebody's got to know how to be gentle. Hey, missionary guy gets saved through the military in Germany. He surrenders and goes to Bible college. His last year of Bible college, his daughter is a senior in high school. She wants to finish high school and then go to Bible college there in that area. And he said, no, God's called me to the mission field of an Indian reservation in northern Minnesota, up in the middle of God-forsaken nowhere. Now, hey, the girl begged, begged, begged not to go. Please let me finish school. I don't know anybody up there. There's only 100 people in the whole county. Maybe God's called you to the Indians, but he hasn't called me to the Indians. Let me stay here. Hey, hey, I'm not making this up, folks. Spin the clock ahead. Dad has her there. She feigns sickness, hates going to church. There's just a handful of people there. She dreads it. She feigns sickness and stays home from church. And on a Sunday morning, five native men went to the house and repeatedly raped her. Now, if she didn't want to be there before, she don't want to be there now. And she's pregnant. And mom is frantic and says, we've got to get an abortion. She will never want to have this child. Now hear me, hear me. When the daughter runs away from home and gets an abortion... When the mother files for divorce and is institutionalized with a mental breakdown and the husband comes to see me and says, hey, I think my ministry is... Hear me. Hear me. Being bold, standing for truth, hollering out the commandments, somebody's got to know how to be gentle. Somebody's got to know how to exhort and encourage when everything around you is falling apart. He says, you know, we were gentle as a nurse. Cherish. That's talking about a mother dandling a baby on her breast. That's talking about a nursing mother. How does she handle that little baby? That's the kind of gentleness that there ought to be in a pastor, in a church, and in a daddy. When, they're, when the time is right. I'm pastor. A family makes an appointment to come see me. The deacon is angry. I say, I'll just come to your home. The eight-year-old little boy. Dad's at work. Mom's got four or five kids in tow. While she's at the grocery store, 
The eight-year-old slips out of sight, goes around the corner, and sticks a matchbox car in his pocket. I wish that wouldn't happen. I believe stealing is wrong. Dad talked. The kids sat and heard the, the sermons. Nobody here is ignorant that this is wrong. But all the thundering from the pulpit doesn't change the fact that in that living room, here is a little boy weeping his eyes out. The police had been called. The parents paid the restitution and a fine. But dad is hollering at his wife and she's withering there, weeping. You're a lousy mother. How come you don't take responsibility for the kids? You were probably looking at magazines or something. If you wouldn't have been neglecting the kids, he wouldn't have been out stealing. You're a lousy mother. And now, now, I'm a deacon. I'm supposed to keep my, my family in subjection. And now... You, you have just destroyed my ministry and I'm going to be dismissed as a deacon and it's going to be your fault and that kid's fault and people are going to die and go to hell and it's going to be your fault. Now hear me. Hear me. Does the boy need me to open up Exodus 20 and say, Thou shalt not steal. Don't you know thou shalt not steal? In, in China, they cut your hands off if you steal. Hey, hey, hey. I'm saying to you, the same chapter that says we have to be bold and with a pure heart minister before God, I love God, but I love people too. And I want God to help salvage this situation. What's the chances that that eight-year-old boy is going to be in a fundamental Bible-believing church when he's 25? Do you think how we treat him right now is going to matter for his lifetime and future? Hear me carefully. This is not a matter of compromise in any way Paul, this great lion for God, the great apostle Paul, says, you know, you know, our entrance, what we were like, what we presented, what our message was, and how we portrayed the things of God. But you know, when we were among you, we loved you, we ministered to you, we exhorted you, we comforted you, we charged you, in other words, to, hey, let's get back up and get on the horse and get back in the fight. Can you know the worst truth about your congregation and still love them? Can a missionary go to the field and find out how backwards they are and still love them? Can a daddy find out the worst truth about his own child and still love them? Catch him in pornography, catch him shoplifting, catch him sneaking out. This challenge on Father's Day is simply, hey, could you have the purest of motives, the best and highest altruistic character, and then said we were willing to impart our souls 
unto you. You were dear to us. And we were gentle. You know we were gentle among you. Hear me, that balance, bold but gentle, is what I'm challenging you with today as a dad, but as a church, as a Christian, as a parent, as a leader. Hey, hey, I can be bold. Don't ever trim the message. But if you know the worst truth about somebody, love them, help them, serve them. Somebody has to be the voice of reason. Somebody has to portray Jesus Christ in his love. The thou shalt not commit adultery, but go and sin no more is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to the heads bowed and eyes closed today. Bold but gentle. I wonder who would just say today with the quietness of this moment here at the close of our service, Well, I sure want to portray God in the right way. I want to have holiness and a premium on righteousness and the truth. And I know that really matters to God. And I want to have boldness. But with that, I want to have the right balance of being gentle for my family, for our congregation, for those I minister to, for my Sunday school class, for those I serve. Help me to be bold but gentle. I'm asking God for that balance, for help to do that today. Would you just slip your hand up as a dad, as a church member, as a Christian? God bless you. God bless you. Lord, help me be bold. But Lord, help me to be gentle when it's necessary and important. When it's vital to our home and family, may they know as a father instructs his children, as a nurse cherishes her children, Help me be bold but gentle. Is there another? Heavenly Father, you've seen the hands, you know the hearts, and thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture, the balance it presents, the truth without compromise, with the purest of motives, and a passion and a love that shows the love of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying and needy world. Would you help us to strike that balance, to portray that Christian example? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.